Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Dr. Kristen Brennan is a research project manager at Alltech Center for Animal Nutrigenomics and Applied Animal Nutrition in Nicholasville, Kentucky. She joins us to help us gain a better understanding of her field, nutrigenomics, and its role in sustainable agriculture. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Brennan. Thanks for having me. So what is the science of nutrigenomics? Okay, the easiest way that I try to tell people to think about nutrigenomics is that we break the word down into what it is, nutra and genomics. What we're aiming to study with nutrigenomics is how nutrition, whether that's nutrients, forms of nutrients, diets, timing of diets, um, how that influences an animal's genome. So not changing the genome, but influencing the activity of all the genes uh, on that animal's genome. And so is this an outgrowth of the Human Genome Project, uh, or has it been around a lot longer than that? It's been around. Nutrigenomics is something that's been around for forever. Um, you know, from the time the first living organism evolved, it had needed nutrition or nutrients, and those nutrients had an influence on the activity of the genes within that animal or cell the thing that we've done recently is or within the last you know several years is we figured out how to capture that information. So it's always been there. It's just we never had a way of measuring it before. And obviously, a lot of the technologies like genome sequencing are what were the core foundation for being, being able to measure um, what we're seeing. Is there a point in time when that light bulb went off when it was uh, realized that nutrients were having an impact on genetic ex- genetic expression? Um, you know, I think we've known for a long time the importance of nutrition. If you look back um, at some of the famous quotes and even, you know, centuries and centuries ago, they had an idea that nutrition had a vital role. Now, I don't know if we knew at that point really what DNA was and what genes did, but we knew that nutrition could influence the outcome or, you know, a phenotype of an animal, what we're seeing on the outside and how important it was for good health. So what are the advantages of nutrigenomics animal studies? So a lot. Um, that's why I think makes this field so exciting is, first of all, when we're dealing with the actual sampling, we need a very small amount of samples. So this is tissue. Um, in this case, we can do this with, for instance, a small draw of blood from an animal, um, or we can take a small biopsy. So you're not having to, say, euthanize an animal to get uh, to get to a tissue. The um, even more of an advantage is the amount of information we get. So if you think about most genomes, you're talking about thousands of genes. We can measure in a single snapshot how every one of those genes is behaving in response to a diet or a nutrition. That is an amazing amount of information. The other advantage is it can be really rapid. So from the time we get a sample to the time we have an output of data can be as short as just a few days in the lab. So a lot of information, small input, and a ton that we, um, in a very rapid way. And, and are you able to understand why some animals respond differently than others to the very same nutrients? Yeah, we can use this information to understand that. Um, you know, an example would be if we have healthy versus diseased animals, why nutrition may play a role in how they respond to that. Um, more and more, we're starting to understand how differences on a genetic level, so different breeds of animals, different um, 
different production states, things like that can influence how that animal responds. And you might have already touched on this, but are you able to to dig down into it and figure out how nutrients and bioactive components in the food turn on or turn off certain genes? Yeah. So the first, the biggest amount of information we get is just a plain, do they or do they not turn genes on or off? So how does each individual gene's activity respond to what you're feeding? Um as we're understanding that more and more, we can take a step back and start to understand how they're doing it. What are the essentially the signaling, what we call signaling pathways, which I like to say are kind of like if you set up a thing of dominoes and you hit the first one, how it sets everything off in that line. It's the same thing with gene um, activity. There's a series of molecules that are responsible for sort of regulating or activating other ones. And we can start to kind of decipher how do we get from the nutrient that we're feeding or the diet we're feeding to that endpoint, that last domino in the line. So you can actually target issues that uh, call for some kind of nutritional intervention? Yeah. And that's obviously one of the biggest um, areas of, or I guess, exciting applications of this research is that we can use this to really define essentially precision nutrition. So we, for one of the challenges with feeding animals or people in general is that there's so many environmental influences that influence how an animal responds to diet. So things like illness and disease, but also production state, you know, where they're living, what their basal diets are. And so we can use this technology to really kind of get precise information of how we can use nutrition to get the best performance or best health out of that animal. So how do you carry out your research? What goes on in Kristen Brennan's laboratory? It's magic. No. <laughs> it, we, um, to do this research, is several steps, and it's actually really a team effort. So when we run our studies, um, we will use the simplest study we have as two groups of animals. And because so many things could influence gene expression, we want to make sure that those two groups of animals are identical as possible. So same breed, sex, age, production state, they're housed in similar environments. The only thing we want different between those two groups is the nutrient we're interested in. So for instance, if we're looking at a form of mineral like selenium, we might have one diet that contains selenium in the form of sodium selenite, and we might have the exact same diet for the other group that has selenium in the form of um, organic yeast, organic selenium like our Cellplex product. Once we've fed the, these diets for a given amount of time, and it just depends on what we're interested in looking at and what tissues and what um, nutrients, then we obtain a sample. So like I mentioned before, it can be as simple as just a very tiny, say, muscle biopsy or a blood draw, you know, a few milliliters of blood. Um, but we need a tiny amount of tissue that we're interested in. We bring that to the lab and then um, the our laboratory technicians will isolate, essentially take that tissue and you rupture the cellular membranes and then the nuclear membranes and purify what we call the mRNA or the transcripts that are located within the nucleus. It's just a series of kits. We make sure that transcript or total RNA is super high quality and purity because these assays are so precise. We need really um, 
We have high standards for what we can use. And then we use a commercially available DNA microarray. And what that allows us to do is profile. It's got what we call probes for each gene on the animal's genome. So in the case, I think, of the chicken one, it's like 18,000 probes that it has on there. And that allows us to measure whether the levels of each one of those genes, so the mRNA or the transcript for each of those genes, has been increased or decreased in response to that nutrient we fed. So what we do is at the end we get a big, long Excel spreadsheet that says gene A is increased, gene B unchanged, gene C is decreased. Um, And then the tough part comes, and that is the data analysis part. So we've got all of these data points. Um, You're talking about thousands. And it's sort of like taking one of those huge puzzles that you have. If you took that box of puzzle pieces and threw it on the ground, you just have a giant mess, right? When I get that Excel spreadsheet with thousands of rows and columns, that's what that is essentially. Um, So what we need to do is we need help to try to piece those puzzle pieces together. If we took, you know, one piece out, we might find a corner, and that's really important. Just like if I look on that spreadsheet, I might find a gene that's very important, that's very highly increased or decreased, and I can say, okay, that that's a starting point. But what we really need to do to see the big picture is piece those piece, puzzle pieces together. And we use that using what we call bioinformatics. That is essentially the... Um, Biological statistics, and we use software programs that say, okay, these 100 genes are related. They all have a common biological function, and based on their activity, we predict that biological function to increase or decrease. And that helps us make sense of what this information is. So just like piecing those puzzle pieces together in a puzzle, we get that big picture of what's going on inside an animal that resp- that results in what we're seeing on the outside, like improved growth or improved feed efficiency or improved markers of health. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm under the impression that the the holy grail for you, I guess, would be be to to find and establish a link between nutritional genomics approaches and applied Mm -hmm. nutritional research. Can you first tell me what I'm talking about? Sure. (laughs) So... What the ultimate goal, at least in my view for nutrigenomics, is when we feed, when we do traditional nutrition studies, we take whatever our experimental diets are, we feed it to an animal, and we look at a phenotypic output. So what do we see in the whole animal? That might be body weight change, growth rates, feed efficiency, things we can measure in the whole cow or by just looking at the animal. We might look at blood markers, stuff like that. What often is lacking and what we can use nutrigenomics for is how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get from feeding this diet to the response in the whole animal? What nutrigenomics gives us is a tool to look at a molecular reason for those changes. So, for example, if we fed a diet to a beef steer, and we saw improved feed efficiency and growth rate. We could use nutrigenomics to figure out, see, well, are we affecting energy expenditure in the cell? Are we affecting um, protein translation in the muscle? Things like this that can help us explain what we're seeing in that animal instead of just guessing on how something works. I think you also touched on this very briefly early in the interview, but I want to ask uh, in a more broad sense, does, does this technology... 
uh, nutrigenomics reduce a reliance on large-scale animal studies, and is it less invasive than the traditional approach? I think so. When we do these studies, we can work with a much smaller number per treatment. So, um, you know, where you might need hundreds of animals to get, say, carcass quality measurements that are significant, we can look at, um, we can use, say, six animals per treatment or 10 animals per treatment and still get some of the same information that would explain why we see changes on in a large animal. Um, obviously, they're complementary, but we do try to minimize we use this technology to minimize the number of animals we need per treatment. The other advantage is, like I mentioned before, is the obtaining samples. We, we don't need a whole kilo of skeletal muscle to do our analysis. We need a tiny amount. So that really is very not invasive. We can use, like I said before, a blood draw. So a simple blood draw that's not invasive at all and get this information out of that. The the 21st century farm is a changed place compared with the farm of the the previous century, isn't it? And a uh, big reason for that is the arrival of an awful lot of science, an awful lot of technology, sensors, big data, that kind of thing. If we were to take your science, nutrigenomics, out of the laboratory, out to the farm, how would producers use the information and, and what you've learned? Sure. I think one of the major ways they can use it is that the idea, like we've mentioned a little bit, is precision nutrition, really formulating diets to meet the actual needs of an animal. And also to understand why, you know, form versus function of different nutrients. So how do we really get the best that we can get out of an animal through nutrition? And nutrigenomics gives us that tool to understand how. So to, to carry that a little bit further, beyond helping to determine what will work for an animal's genetic type, is nutrigenomics helping explain why we need to find what works for a given animal? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really helps define the idea of real uh, or, or influence. I guess it helps really push the idea of precision behind nutrition. For so long, we've overfed nutrients. Um, we haven't really paid attention to form versus function. And nutrigenomics is really giving us reasons behind why form is so important of nutrients, why you know precise levels are important. We're taking the guessing out of the guessing game out of uh, animal nutrition. Um, and I think as we the population grows and the need for food continues to increase, really optimizing nutrition based on an animal's genetic potential is going to be really, really important. Okay, this is a question from 30,000 feet up. Uh, how can this information, genomic information, help us better understand nutrition and nutrient science? Sure. No, that's a great question. It's an absolutely great question. This gives us, kind of how I talked about before, gives us a really good understanding of what I like to say the hidden effects of nutrition, the things that we don't really understand why we see the changes. Um, you know, why are we seeing increased energy efficiency with different forms of selenium, for instance? If we just look at our traditional nutrition research, we have no idea. But we use nutrigenomics to say, okay, well, the genes that control, say, mitochondrial growth in the skeletal muscle of animals, 
those are turned on by cell plaques. And that explains why we see changes in energy expenditure. That's the type of stuff that we can't get through traditional animal uh, nutrition research. And nutrigenomics really helps kind of push that information ahead and give us a way better understanding of of how nutrients function and and the things that we can't see by just looking at an animal. Okay. uh, One final question. What among the things that you're working on right now, what really interests you or really excites you right now? That's a really good question. Everything (laughs) as a true scientist. Um, One of the areas that I'm completely fascinated by and have been for years, and we've done quite a bit of work on it, um, but it's just something that I start to think about almost gives me a headache, is the idea of nutritional programming. So this is the concept of how early life nutrition, um, whether that's, you know, in a neonatal animal or even in the gestating diet and looking at offspring, how nutrition early in life influences an animal throughout its lifespan. We've done a lot of work to look at some of these, some of the things that happen, like gene expression changes that occur. If we change the diet of an animal in the first 96 hours of life, the patterns and the changes that stay with that animal throughout its lifespan, and that to me completely fascinates me. And I think that's an application that is something that can be applied through all different species of animals, whether that's your livestock, even humans. We think about, you know, you are what you eat, but you're also what your mother ate and what her mother ate and then maybe what her dad ate. It starts to really kind of fascinate you of that. So that's probably one of the most exciting areas that, that we work on. Dr. Kristen Brennan is a research project manager at Alltech Center for Animal Nutrigenomics and Applied Animal Nutrition in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture. <laughs>